0: Anita Johnson has been President of Business Operations of D.C. United since February of 2021, but she has held various management and executive-level roles across sports. She worked at her hometown Fayetteville Patriots. She was Senior Director of Ticket Sales with the Tulsa Shock. She worked at the Washington Mystics, and she was President and Chief Operating Officer of the Los Angeles Sparks, all before joining D.C. United. She has been in the sports business for more than 15 years and is a member of Sports Business Journal's 2023 class of 40 under 40. Welcome to SVJ's iFactor presented by Allied Sports. Good to see you, Danita. Good to see you, Abe. Thank you. Well, you know, we want to start the I-Factor like we do most of them, about your upbringing, about where you were born and how that influenced your journey. Now, I believe you were born in uh, North Carolina, you're a North Carolina native. How did that shape you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Born and raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in a military family. My dad did over 20 years in the Army. And uh, growing up in North Carolina, if anybody knows, like I know, it's basketball country. Um, grew up a Tar Heel fan and absolutely loved it. And it's when I really started to fall in love with sport um, and basketball between that and the Tennessee Vols. So it was a good time. So when
0: leaving high school, going to college, did you know you were going to try to study sports business or sports management? I or did. What was the
1: path? I did. I absolutely did. I knew there was one thing in life that always drove me and got me excited, and it was sport. Um, I was not the best athlete ever but I knew I wanted to be around sport. It was, I felt connected to it. And so I went to school and did my undergrad at Western Carolina University where I got my degree in sports management and right after that started my job with the Fayetteville Patriots after I finished my internship with them so it was an absolute key part of my journey was not only that internship but that time in Fayetteville with the Patriots and if anybody knows Todd DeMoss over at WNBA uh, from the operations uh, one of the best right and that was my very first Boston sports and he had such a major impact on me from the very beginning.
0: So what did you uh observe from him and talk a little bit about the Patriots in terms of the league they were in, because if a viewer doesn't know the Fayetteville Patriots were or are, Mm. it'd be good instruction for them. Well,
1: well back then we were the D-League, which is now the G-League. The Patriots were the first team ever named in the NBA Development League during that time. And this is back when the NBA uh, D-League offices were in South Carolina. So, um, and spent a great time with that team. And really what we were trying to do is really help develop the game, right? That next level of stars were what we're trying to develop with the FABO Patriots. And for me, it was the foundational piece for my first introduction of the day-to-day of sport business operations. And working under Todd, who had been with multiple teams at that point in his career, really taught me about the importance of learning sales, taught me about the importance of understanding the variety of the business and, you know, how we get to bring our personality to work every day and how we can connect through community and sport together. And so he had a really big impact on me during my time there about how to view this from a different lens versus just one department and only executing in that way. But together, we were a full team. Did you naturally gravitate towards sales? I did not. (laughs) I did not naturally gravitate towards it. Um, I actually really wanted to be in community relations. That's where it all started for me. Um, I grew up in a family where my mom worked in nonprofit work most of my childhood and still does to this day. And that was the example that I saw. And so for me, I really wanted to be like a head of community and do community programming. And Todd said, you got to learn how to sell. So he gave me a call log (laughs) and gave me some phone numbers. And I started dialing and I remember so nervous. I remember getting hung up on for the first time and what those moments felt like. But it really took me out of my shell. Um, And it really taught me a lot, really starting to understand the importance of selling and how it really does. It's like that nucleus. It connects everything. Right. Um, And it really helps to drive our business. And so, Danita,
0: we touched at the top of the show some of your, you know, paths along your journey. So tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about what were some of the key decisions? I mean, you left Fayetteville and you knew you wanted to stay in sports business. What were the opportunities and
1: what were the key decisions you made along the career path? Yeah, I think one of the key decisions was being able to not fear change and not fear challenge. Um, And so when I first left Favo, I went to the Bakersfield Jam, which was going to be an expansion, which was an expansion team at that time in, in the G League in Bakersfield, California. Across the country, far from where I ever lived, small town, but I couldn't fear that change right? And I had to go for it. And I knew I had to put myself in maybe not the most comfortable situations to become successful in my career. And if I could adapt in those environments, I knew that I could learn the business better. And so that's what I really focused on was making sure that I would go into an environment such as Bakersfield, or if I moved on to Phoenix at that time, which followed Bakersfield, was like, how was I stepping up to that next challenge and putting myself in a position to have opportunity to grow versus stay stagnant in my skill set?
0: And it's amazing in terms of the other stops. We mentioned uh, Washington and and, and Monumental. And of course, we all know you from the Los Angeles Sparks. But you've had another stops. Were they all in sales or did you take on larger C-level roles? Cause I knew you were chief operating officer at the Sparks. Was that first one, a large management oversight came into purview?
1: Yeah, it came really, it started um, when I went to the Sparks the first time I served as the SVP of business operations. So I was doing ticketing and started to oversee. But I think what I was really learning this was back in my time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I was a senior director of sales, but a lot of what I was doing, um, I was really working with our president on the overall business. We were developing the business together because we were a new team. So my title may not have done it, but the experiences that I was having earlier in my career really shaped me to really be able to work with all the different departments and lead in a different way. Um, But really it was my first stint with the LA Sparks that really started was like that official change in management and then moving on to the Clippers for a short stint while I was in LA, um, director of business development and business operations with them, really started to get me a variety of management over multiple projects.
0: What did you learn, Danita, as you became, as you took on larger roles and you had more and more people who you were managing, what did you learn how to be in terms of a better manager and what were some of maybe the mistakes
1: you made as an early manager? Uh, I think the early management piece is where you think you can kind of control people and get them to do what you want them to do. And it doesn't necessarily work that way, right? It was that frustration as a young manager to be like, why couldn't they make those calls? Or why isn't this project being done in the way in which I believe it should be done? And over time, what I learned and, and as I started to grow in my career, it was about really learning people and listening to them and literally understanding them and like what motivated them and becoming a better communicator. Um, putting more processes in place and understanding, you know, as somebody walks in the room and I can look at them and tell where they might be in their day um, understanding those nuances about people skills really helped to change my leadership style uh, and how I communicated and built teams. And previously when I first started, you know, you just learn, you don't know it, you don't know it till you get in there. And that's probably one of the biggest growths for me is really observing, learning and listening to people.
0: It's hard. And to, to, so when you mon- when you watch leaders that you admired, like what were some of the traits that those leaders had that you tried to emulate?
1: They could teach well, right? So a lot of people can give you directive, but they knew how to teach me how to do the work. Um, and I thought that was really impressive, like being able to teach me a skill. Um, and so I could consume something and then I could like push it back to somebody to teach that next person how to do it became very important. Um, and so my good leaders really did that. The other ones I noticed, like leaders that were like empathetic, like they had compassion, like they they understood that like, okay, just because you didn't get it right today doesn't mean you can't get it right tomorrow. Um and how they dealt with those moments. And I tell my team to this day, and you know, it's progress over perfection. And each day we strive for more progress and we'll have moments of perfections within that. Right. And so those were like the great leaders for me really strove with that versus just like you know the driver. They weren't just pure drivers. They were about the people, they were about process, um, and they were about engagement.
0: As you started thinking about your next steps, did you know that you wanted to oversee a, a team? Or was a team job always in your, I guess, purview? And then at that time, you were always in basketball, right? Yeah.
1: I was definitely always in basketball. And, you know, I think the dream back then, it was like, for me, it was like, oh, I want to work for Team Bo. That was like the number one yeah, job, yeah, but, yeah. you know, to get the access to showcase and learn about all the different teams and take what we learned in one market and spread it to others was really one of my big things I wanted to do. But as I started to develop in my career, what I learned about being specifically on the team side was the impact direct to a business that I could see every single day. And that's when I really started to be like, I think I like this, like I like the impact and like the moving from market to market really helped me to shape the thought about, okay, I wanna be a team president and this is why. And I had to understand that myself before I could decide that's what I wanted to do was my purpose. And my purpose and what I understand about myself is, to lead people, to change business, to connect sport to community. And I wanna be a game changer in what we do in this industry. And so I learned that through my jobs and I get to show up like that in a team president role now.
0: And certainly all those things you wanna do, those three things, lead people and certainly connect with a community. Like you said, that role fits perfectly. And when you were Considering going back across the country from L.A. to D.C., yes. any trepidation, any any fears
1: oh, of the unknown? Absolutely. I yeah, think, sure. You know, for me, the fear was, and you know, you can't fear it, but I, the fear of failure. Right. Yeah, you have to think have about, it. you know, I had been an NBA, WNBA, G League family my whole career. And, you know, they become part of this circle and they wrap your arms around you and coming to the other side of major league soccer, it's just a very much unknown. And I didn't know what I was getting into fully, but I was willing to take on the challenge. And I felt like, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you work in women's sports, transitioning to men's sports and leading a team of this nature, it doesn't happen for many people. And so for me, I knew how I show up in this role could create opportunities for others and it mattered. And I knew I needed to come here and deliver my best. And that's what I strive for every day.
0: And so we all have that fear of failure, which you mentioned. I mean, so many people, I know I've had it. How do you overcome it? Because like you said, you've been a little bit fearless in going from job to job across the country in different roles. How do you overcome that fear of failure? Is it through work ethic or just trying to prove yourself day in and day
1: out? I think it's through work ethic. I think you almost have to What I've learned to do is that my fear still may be in me at moments, but I can't let it overtake me, right? So I can still have a little fear in me each day and that's okay. But if it takes me to a place where I can't operate or be my best, then it doesn't really help me. So how do I turn this fear into a push of motivation? How do I turn this fear into, okay, me thinking ahead and planning better? And so I try to take what my small fears are and like the fears I do have and find a way in which I can apply what I'm afraid of in preparation, right? By doing the the work ahead of time so it no longer has to be a fear.
0: We'll return to this great conversation after a quick break. So if I was to ask people who you've worked with over the years and, and, and would say, what is Dina really good at? What do you think they would say? It sounds like you're, you are you you prepare well, you're always ready, you know your information, you know your material, you know your facts.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely it. And if I don't know, I'll ask. That's one thing you'll know about me. Like I don't know it all um, and I don't always have it right. And I think that's something people know that worked for me. I think the other thing that they'll probably say about me is like, I am about the team like I'm about all of us coming together and being successful Um, and I want to see them grow. I want to see them be their best and that motivates me to be my best.
0: And so to do that, you have to continue to make career opportunities for your team so they can grow and thrive and prosper as well, which which can be a challenge at times. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a good challenge. It is. How do you hire? What do you look for in a hire? Because by the time they get to you, they probably have been through a couple of interviews. But what's a what's a quality that you admire that you look yeah. for?
1: Yeah, you know, I want somebody to understand who they are a little bit. We may not know it all, but to have some good foundational uh, pieces of like who they are as a person and what they bring to the organization is really important to me, um, because I am a people here, right? The people come first. So you want a good person on your team. Um, I want people that have a skill set. Um, Sometimes I feel like, you know, we can teach a lot of things, but I do want people to walk in here and bring something to the table for our group, right? We are all in here trying to make it the best. So I look forward to finding staff members that have a skill that they can bring to the table that may diversify our business, change our thought process, help us accelerate. Um, So when I'm interviewing candidates, I think about like, what have they done that might have been innovative where they came from before, or what projects were they a part of that really helped push a business forward. And I think the last thing I look for is really... You know, I think it's energy. Like you come in here with energy every day. Um, some we can't bring it every single day. Some people have rough days, it's fine, but like that energy you bring and put into your work matters.
0: Let me flip that and <laughs> ask about what is a turnoff or a red flag during the interview process.
1: When it's all about them. <laughs> you know, sometimes people kind of go down this pathway and it's very me, me, me. And I and I think that doesn't really work well in these scenarios, and you know, I think all of us that have been around our industry, you know, when somebody's not coachable and you can't coach them into maybe thinking a little bit differently or pushing or challenging the norms with them, I think it makes it a little bit harder um, in our environments.
0: If you look back and knew what you know now,
1: then anything you'd do differently? <sighs> Probably so. A couple things. <laughs> I think the main thing for me. It's, I would have probably slept more, one. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I think really it's like worrying a little bit less. And the reason why I say that sometimes is we get into these roles and we worry so much in, of our fears or things happening that it takes away from us really concentrating on what's actually happening in front of us. And so I think early on, I would worry so much, you know, those late nights where you can't sleep and it's on your mind. And you realize if you actually just rest, and you wake up with a clear mind, you can approach this in a better way. And so I think kind of toning down my worry and stress earlier in my career and finding better balance would be my biggest change.
0: So sleep, incredibly important. So how do you find that balance? Because you know, knowing you, you're probably a workaholic. You've worked very hard throughout your career. You've got a big job now. How do you get that time away?
1: Being intentional. Um, and setting boundaries. I think for me, one of the things I reset uh, these last two years, we were running and going fast, but I reset at the first of this year and even sitting down and talking to my team explaining what my boundaries were from a leadership standpoint and the time I need, whether it's from decision-making or you know time that I need off with my family and, and finding that balance and really being more structured and intentional I, has really helped me kind of find my way again from a balance standpoint. Do you ever,
0: fear that, well, I've got to be there. I've got to be at every game. I've got to be at the office every day. I've got to be there for this meeting. I mean, there's always that. Can they do it without me? Yes. Right. You know,
1: I do fear that. And then I'm like, I got to trust them. Right. That's what we, that's what we brought them here for. That's what we work so hard for and plan for is to trust that they can make a good decision in that moment. And if it doesn't go great, that's what they can learn from. And we'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. And so I yeah. think it's about trust the same way you want your staff to trust you. I have to trust them.
0: Let's ask a couple of questions about you because <laughs> this one's not so much about you, but people would come to you often and say, uh, my neighbor, my son, my cousin, they want your job. Denise. They want. So what's your advice to a young person who wants to work in the sports business?
1: Mm-hmm. I think one of my advice to them is to, I think the big advice for them is making sure you find the right network of people to be around, right? Um, Don't be afraid to take challenging roles um, and make sure you're continuously learning. Like beyond once you leave school, it doesn't just say, I got this, right? You have to study this. You have to read. You have to be engaged. Um, Whatever you can listen to that adds to like your scope, Um, I think it's really important. And I think continued education is very important too. take a class here or there, find ways to develop, sign up for courses, go to groups. I think things of that nature of that extra work outside of your day-to-day really does help add.
0: And I think to your first point about, you know, being a student of the sports industry or the sports business is incredibly important because you have to know the issues and the topics and the trends. I've seen you at plenty of sports business conferences. I've seen you out. You're obviously trying to listen and learn and meet new people. And like you said, get that network around you, which you've obviously been very successful about because I have known the people who, who, who know you. And that, I think, helps all of us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so key. It's so key. And, you know, I always say to my teams, I was like, treat people well. You just never know. You know, you treat people well and and you never know who's watching you. And so it's important to show up as your best self on a daily basis.
0: You, uh, Danita, been in the business, you know, like I said, around more than 15 years. First part of the question is, how much has the business, the sports business, changed not just from your days at Fayetteville, but you, you, you mentioned Bakersfield. You mentioned Tulsa. You mentioned Phoenix. Like, I've seen so much change. You must have, too.
1: Yeah, it's evolved so much. One, it's so much faster in how we can do things and execute. It's amazing. (laughs) I remember my old call logs when I used to write everything down. Um, But I think technology has really pushed our industry forward. Um, And I think even during COVID, it made us even move faster than we all expected. And so I think there's so much technology to help us be more efficient in our business, find out more information about our consumers and better serve them. Um, And that has probably been one of the funnest parts to watch because i remember back in the day we'd always talk and it was like well we think they may feel like this or we didn't know all the answers and a lot of this information is now at our fingertips and we can be better like providers of our craft to our consumers based on this information when done well and i think that the industry
0: moves much quicker like you probably have to make decisions much faster now than you did at your days in Bakersfield or even back to the Sparks. Yeah. Things, things, things that it's a dynamic business, uh, where we have to be pretty much on our toes all the time. Yeah. All day. I
1: love it though. Yeah.
0: And then I'm going to flip it because as much progress as we've seen in sports and sports business, Danita, there's still a lot of areas that you probably wish the sports industry did a better job of. And so where does progress still need to be made?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I could talk about women's sports and what we need to continue to do there. So that's one. Um, So I think the continued growth of our women's sports, I think our youth development and continuing of our youth and and getting them into sport is going to be really important for us um, over the years and like how we're creating access. I know it's been a concentration for a long time, but I think there's more that we can do about creating more access to youth and sport. And then my other big one that's always been big for me is what we do with our college athletes. Um, Obviously I know NIL and things, but I talk about their professional life after sport and how do we continue to create avenues for them to be in these front offices from a business perspective. Um, I think there's so much room for that. I think even the high school athletes that don't quite make that transition, I think we got to be more intentional with that group of flipping them to the business. It's
0: all about providing opportunities because studies have shown athletes make some of the best leaders in in industry, across industry. Absolutely. You know, they're used to working on a team. They're used to being a a hard worker, grind it out. You know, I would say all in it together. So I, I totally agree with you there. And then, as you look at the sports business circa 2023, uh, what concerns you about the business of sports?
1: Yeah, I think for all of us, it's keeping up. Like, it, 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 I guess my concern is like, can we keep up with as fast as it's moving, right? And then being able to decipher where do we need to focus sometimes because all of it's happening at once. And I think it's hard to be everything to everybody. And we serve a lot of different verticals in sport. And so how do we find areas of focus and really lean into to maximize? Um, Because sometimes I think we could easily spread ourselves very thin.
0: And I'll end with this. What's next
1: for Danita Johnson? Who knows, let's ride this wave. (laughs)
0: I like it. I like it. You know, I hope that we uh, see each other soon. I hope our paths cross soon. It's always good to see you out. And thank you for continuing to lead at DC United. Danita Johnson is an SBJ 40 under 40 honoree in 2023. Thanks for joining us on the SBJ I Factor today, presented by Allied Sports.
1: Thank you.